You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. Woo! Woo! Yeah! On Faith FM, of course. Hey, is that the first time you've done that or was that last week? I tried last week, but this is the first time I did it right at the beginning. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Nice work. Woo! Well done. Trying. That was good. I was trying to get my microphone fixed and I thought, oh, I better hurry up. And then all of a sudden you were saving the day. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing really well. That's good. Yeah. Why are you doing so well? There's got to be a reason to be good. Because it's, we're still in lockdown and it's my time to get out of the house when I come to radio. Isn't that great? It's really good, yeah. By the way, there also has to be a reason to not be good, you know. That's true. Yeah, you know, I think by default we should we should have reasons for our emotions. I think that's a reasonable thing. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're just having – sometimes you're just not having a good day. That's okay. Yeah, and that's I wasn't okay having well. a great day last week, but I'm having a great day today. Yeah. Even yeah. though this morning I woke up and I feel like an old man – why might I feel like an old man? You might be thinking to yourself, yeah. because I woke up this morning, and unlike Bob Marley, who had three little birds on his doorstep singing sweet songs, I woke up with a crick in my neck and uh, significant pain in my upper back, and I was like, "What did I do wrong? You know what I did wrong? Slept? You just slept wrong? I just slept. I don't yeah. even think I slept wrong. I just slept. <laughs> What's the deal? So anyway, out there, all the, all you kiddos out there, don't get old. That's that's what everybody tells oh, you, no. but guess what? That's not how life works. You, it's, yeah. it's not a choice. Yeah. So do your best to take care of your back as long as you can. I think that's mm. good wisdom. <laughs> and, and sleep in a good position so you don't end up with a crooked That's right. Yeah. Because I've got this chiropractic pillow and it's still not working for me anyway. Oh. Well, such okay. is life. Well, we've got a great show lined up for you today, guys. I'm super excited about what we've got going on. Today, we are hearing from our friend Vicky. In our Testify segment, we're going to hear from Tash shortly on some weird and wonderful facts about the world that God has made. I'm always excited about that. And there's opportunity in the show to hear from you guys. We're going to be giving you a secret word sometime throughout the show. And when you hear that word, you can call or text in and receive a free copy of this book. So it's the book called God for Us According to John. And... Funnily enough, what are we studying today? I think we're studying the book of John. Yes, it's perfect. So as you get to hear in uh, the Bible study that we're going through, um, yeah, this is the book that we're giving away today. So That's right. Yeah. And now this is the first time we've committed to going through a whole book of this length. So we're going to be going through John for a while. So buckle in your seatbelts. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be It's good. a fantastic book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. They're all fantastic, but this is a... This is a really cool book for a a number of particular reasons, so we're going to get into that today. Excited for that, but uh, it'll help you on our journey together through John because we're going to be doing it for quite a while. Even if we do one chapter a week, that's 22 chapters. 21. I always think there's 22. 21 chapters. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be in there for a while, so stick around, buckle in your seatbelts, and call in with your questions or with that secret word once we give it by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064. Four double six nine. Stick around with us. It's going to be a great show. This is Melissa Otto with Swim. Swim in him 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And uh, that was Melissa Otto with Swim, some lovely vocal vibes there. Yeah. And uh, anything that's singing about the ocean of God's love is a, is a good thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of summer. And it's like, oh, that's nice. It's almo- it, almost it almost feels almost like is. summer, except yeah. today it doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to learn more about the weird and, and wonderful, wonderful world, world that God has made that is not currently summertime, but it's, it's still good. It's still good. So what do you have for us today, Tash? Okay, so I I've been doing quite a bit of zooming lately. So for like those like of you, you drive a Mazda or something? No, I don't have a Mazda. So, I drive so. a I drive a WRX. That's a Subaru. And um, <laughs> <laughs> just in case, <laughs> you shouldn't have to tell anybody. Like, yeah, it's a Rexy. Anyway, but I've been doing a lot of Zoom uh, video calls uh, for classes and for meetings, and oh, being zoomed out. But it's been an interesting thing to watch because a lot of the boys. Because um, we haven't been able to get to hairdressers and that sort of thing, and people are not handy with scissors, they haven't had haircuts. So quite some of the boys are getting like this afros are growing and things are. Yeah. Sounds awesome. It's yeah. It's that great. sounds like my kind of party. A lot of a lot of long hair. It's yeah, great. longer hair. And, but <laughs> at the moment, you know, you have to go through that ugly stage though. Hey, don't talk about my hair like that. No. no. <laughs> hey. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's this really There's awkward this in stage between, yeah. where and, it goes. Past your eyebrows, and then yeah. you can't get it behind your ear out of your face. It's a pretty bad stage. Yeah, for for women, it's always like, can I put it in a hair tie? That's our like weird, awkward stage. Oh yeah, it's yeah. no good. It's no good. No it's good. no it's good. in your face all the time. Yeah, and it got me thinking. I'm very curious where this is going. <laughs> You've got me well, intrigued. It, it got me thinking, like, uh, what is the longest? Like, people who haven't cut their hair in a, in a long time. What is the longest? Like the Guinness Book of Records, what is the longest hair? Oh, check. The, well, yeah. that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question, but I remember, I just have yeah. a flashback to my childhood when I was like, oh, I must have been like 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I went with my friend John uh, and his family, and we, we went up to a place called Eureka, California, okay. and then and, and met up with some of his family. And then we went to a place called Lake Shasta. So if you've anybody out there has been to California, any Lake Shasta people, um, which is probably incredibly rare in Australia, feel free to text in and let me know because I'd love to hear from you. Um, that we went on this on this wakeboarding trip, and anyway, his auntie yeah. had hair that basically went down to her feet. Whoa! Yeah, she had to tie it up off the ground. Oh, yeah! I'm telling you, that's, that's long, long hair. What that's do you do when you go to the bathroom? Hair. Anyway, this is this is a family friendly uh, radio show. You we shouldn't talk about that. Up. I don't know. That's You'd weird. have to tie it up. <laughs> That's true. No, it's true. You'd have to tie it up. Well, had a quick quick look at uh, Guinness Book of Records, and there's actually so the longest dreadlocks. Ooh, yeah. I'll say that first because I was thinking, oh, it's not just hair; it's dreadlocks as well. Um, is a a lady by dreadlocks the name get Asha Mandela? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only it's hers is five point nine. It's actually longer. Than five point nine what? Five point nine in meters. Five point meters. Meters. That's yeah, meters. Five. What's that in feet? That's a lot. What, how many meters did you say? Five? Five Sorry, it's 15. Yeah. 15 that's a lot. That's between 15 and 18 feet. Wow. And, and it's hair that's still growing too. That like we always, like you, you see know, the long hair, but it, you gotta remember it's still growing. You know, one of the things about dreadlocks, I had a friend who his dad had dreadies yeah. uh, when we were in high school. 
And he told me a story about how one day as he was a kid, he was pulling on his dad's dreadlocks from the, the seat behind in the car. And he just pulled one out and his dad didn't even notice because <laughs> it just – all the dead hair, which hair, hair dies as soon so, as it's out yeah. of follicle, right? Yeah. But but it just pulled out and he didn't even notice and he would just had this dreadlock in his hand. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Sitting in the car with a piece Yuck. of dreadlock. Yuck. Oh, weird. That's gross. Okay, okay. So the longest hair – the longest hair that's, that's not in a dreadlock, which is, which is not a dreadlock, because that's a bit different. Is a is a Chinese lady by the name of Ji Kuiping, and it's five point six two meters. And she's five point. Yeah, she's been growing it since nineteen seventy three. Wow, yeah, that's a long time not to have a haircut. It's a really that's a long time to go without a haircut. That's yeah, just, wow. That's like eight years younger than my parents. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a long time. That's, that's like my parents having had hair. one haircut in their lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> And so uh, everyone's always thinking, oh, Samson in the Bible, he uh, he he grew his hair. That was something that, that was a requirement yeah. for a straight. It would have been long. It would have been really long. We don't actually know how long it was, but there was someone in the in, – which I, I thought was really strange. Like there's a man by the name of Absalom who would cut his hair yearly. So he would shave it, and then they'd weigh it. And can you like – just a year's worth of hair growth. Can you like guess what would you think that One would pound. One pound, uh, not not more, more like a bigger. One guess. kilo. Okay, now double that. It says in the Bible in Second Samuel fourteen verse twenty six. It's two hundred shekels. Okay, so one shekel is like eleven grams. So it's about whoa, two point two, two kilos. Two point two kilos. That's like five pounds of hair. hair. That's a lot of hair. And that's only that's a, a hairy man. And that's only a yearly haircut. Dude. Yeah, that's a lot of hair, isn't it? Broski had, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of some fancy name of shampoo that he didn't have, but clearly <laughs> shampoo's bad because he didn't have it. And look how much his hair grew. That's crazy. Yeah, but that's a lot. Of, and so for that's men as well. That's the lesson today, everyone. No, stop that's using shampoo. And, and, and Absalom's <laughs> beard probably was growing as well, so it was his hair and he his He probably beard. looked like Cousin It. Yeah, but like in a whole year for it to grow that quickly. And then... Then when it says later on when he dies, he gets tangled in the like a, a branch, and so they say maybe it was actually all that hair that he had. Yeah, that got tangled in the. He yeah. was vain. It was a source of pride, yeah. and it became a source of his downfall. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go to a song now. This is Steve Bale, Absalom, Absalom.
Always watching my impressionable son Absalom, what have I done? You were watching when I took a good man's wife Gave the order for his murder just to cover up my crime All the vanity, cruel arrogance and greed You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And just before we get into our testify segment, just wanted to remind you to have your ears out for that secret word. It's coming up, and uh, you can call or text us when you hear that word and tell us the word, and you could get that free book. Also, we would love to hear with you, hear from you with your questions today about what we're studying today or questions that you have about God or the Bible, etc. And so to call or text for either of those, use this number, 491 Zero six four double six nine. All right, so it's our testify segment. Testify, and we've got our friend Vicky online. Hello, Vicky. Hey, how are you? We're doing very well. How are you? Oh yeah, doing pretty good. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Well, I know who you are, Vicky, but we'd love our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, just want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, so I'm a mum of three. Um, two of my kids go to Evandale um, Uni, or ex-college, as they used to call it, and also my youngest, he actually goes to Avondale High as well. Oh, beautiful. Um, we just thank you so much for um, coming on our show today, and um, I'm just going to give you the time now. Just tell us your story. or your yeah. um, Okay, so pretty much I'll sort of start with myself with God. So I actually was sort of came to God in the end of 2014, as I say by that, is I actually was baptized. Um, I'm not saying that God wasn't in my life prior to that. I didn't grow up a Christian. I grew up as a teenager on the street, um, in and out of home, in and out of refuges, um, sort of trying to figure out myself as a person. And the older I got, um, I sort of maybe was trying to fill holes of voice with alcohol, with all different things that maybe a lot of people do in our lives. Like, I'm not going to deny that. Um, I met my husband and um, I had my children. He 
grew up an Adventist, um, and he actually sort of left the church when he first met me. Um, but it wasn't like we didn't have God there. Like we always prayed, you know, with dinner. We yes. sort of it wasn't, but it wasn't like we were going to church. But it's funny during the whole time of me sort of coming up to the time of being with God, I actually had him over me. Like I remember there was one night I was with one of my friends. I was walking along the streets and this was two, three o'clock in the morning. Well, absolutely off our nuts. And it's weird. We had, and most people in this situation wouldn't have even dared do it, but we actually had a man actually stop and actually say, let me take you home. And me not feeling any sort of thing, I was like, yeah, that's why we both got in there. We got home. But it's funny, still to this day, I don't remember what he looked like or anything like that. But normal people wouldn't have got in there and felt safe. So this is what I'm saying. Like, the Lord has always protected me. But then during times that, like, my eldest boy, he nearly died. There was a point in his life that they actually came to me and said, he's got 48 hours to live. But during that time, we were in the church. We were going to church because my husband at the time felt he wanted to be back in the church. And I was also going to a church-filled um, mother's group. So it's not like, and it's weird how he was always around us. And then the family was so broken. We always had people praying for us, his mother praying for us. And then my husband's adoptive father passed away. And my husband was going back and forth to Sydney because we were in Canberra at the time. And we are going back and forth, back and forth. And we were separated and coming back together. And and then we moved to Sydney and we are living out of their house. And even though a lot of my friends didn't agree with it because they felt our marriage had nothing. But then there was a time where I actually had to put faith in actually a marriage couldn't work. And for my kids. And the Lord provided. He He healed that family with all the damage that it had done. Even now, there's still damage emotionally. But I know the one thing that I can give my kids now is a hope that He will actually guide them. No matter what emotional issues they have, He helps them. I suffer from depression now. That's probably why I'm crying. But, you know. That's um, okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, he, but he gives me hope, you know. Like, I might have a day where I'm going all crazy and whatever else and that. But at the end of it, at least I know, you know what? He's helped me through it. He's given me strength not to do things. Amen. And even after I came to God, like, he gave me the strength. And this is really bizarre. I haven't had alcohol for over how many years? And I haven't had meat since before I was even baptized. I know the Holy Spirit was within me, but I don't think your your journey with God is about what you eat and all these things. No, not at all. It's what you want to give to Him and and whether you're open to Him. That's what I truly believe. When you're ready for Him, He will open that door and He will let you in. And he, he wants you to knock on that door. He's not sitting there having that door closed all the time. No, not at all. This is why I believe even though I wasn't a Christian growing up, he was there. He was helping me to learn. And I knew, I know that's why he gave me my husband. 
because how would I have known to come to him? How would I have known to any of these things about the eternal life if I didn't meet him? I couldn't have guided my kids to where they are now. And I'll tell you now, like, there's even been troubles even when we lived in Sydney before moving up to the Central Coast. And if I, if these troubles that happened within our marriage had happened in Canberra, I tell you, I would have been out getting drunk. I would have been looking in ways to solve that problem differently. With that time, it was weird. I actually went to God. I actually said to my children, okay, this is it. We're going to go do more devotionals now. We're going to go to church more, do these things now. That's beautiful. To show them that you need the strength through that, not through the strength through the, the things that don't fill that hole eternally. That's so alcohol beautiful. And them, alcohol and them actually fill it just for that five minutes. But it doesn't fix it. Mm. There's so many more things I can say, but I, I know, like this is what I'm saying, there's so many blessings in my life, but I know that everyone's journey is different. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that's so beautiful, Vicky. Thank you so much for sharing, and thank you for opening your heart and telling us just just about just a few of the amazing blessings that God has brought through you. And I love what you said there, that even when you weren't a follower of Jesus, God was there for you. He was pursuing you. He was taking care of you, and He was leading and guiding even in the difficulties of your life to draw Him to to draw you, excuse me, to a place where He could really bring that transformation into your life. I love that. And that is available to all of our listeners and all of the people who aren't listening. Um, so God has a love for you and a longing for you. And uh, hear his voice today. We, we hope that you will hear his voice. Thank you so much, Vicki. May God bless you. And thank you so much for sharing. listening to real faith but it's not as real as it could be why you ask because this isn't the live show so as good as this is the live show is where it's really at join us every thursday from 3 30 to 5 30 p.m so you can be involved live hi everyone we're the double l team Lyle and lawson and you can join us every morning on the breakfast show we cover news that matters and do our encounter with god we also have an intense quiz great giveaways 
awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Bracky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And that was a very fitting song. That was called The Promise, The Word Was God. Uh, that's by The Promise. The song was called The Word Was God. There we go. Got it. <laughs> I was a little bit confused there, but uh, welcome to confusion. It's, uh, it's like it's that okay. sometimes. It's okay. I'm sure you can relate at some at some level. I'm, I'm not the only one who's confused ever. Surely. Surely not. Anyway, yeah. we are about to jump into our Bible study on John starting in chapter one today, which actually starts with that very theme. So well done, Shell, picking a great song to get us started off for that. Um, before we get into our Bible study, two things. We're going to pray here in a moment because we should always pray and seek for God's wisdom and his spirit to lead us as we study. And uh, also, we just wanted to do another plug that uh, when you hear the secret word, and I'm not going to tell you just yet, so you're going to have to keep listening. The secret word. When you hear the secret word, you better be quick on your dial because the first three callers today are going to receive a free copy of this book. God for us, according to John. So it's God a, yeah. for us. Yeah, Ooh, God I love that us. title. Isn't it a cool thought to think that God is for you and not against you? Mm. Woo! So if you'd like to learn more about that, call or text in at 0491-064-669 when you hear the secret code word coming to your listening soon. ears very soon. Very soon. And uh, secondly... You can also call or text that same number with your questions about God, about the Bible study that we're doing today, about the Bible, about the pressing questions on your mind, because we would love to hear from you and answer those questions at the end of our show today. And I believe we have a call, a caller's question from last week that got in well, just before just too late to get into the show. So we're excited to go through that today as well. So uh, you can call or text in at 
0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And uh, Tash, do you want to pray for us yeah, today? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you now. We thank you for this day and this opportunity now just to look into your word. And thank you for the book of John. But we need your spirit to lead us and guide us. And uh, may you speak to us and may the listeners be here. And just uh, may we learn something new and something more about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's do a little bit of background. I think it's important to do some background on the book that we're looking into, seeing as we're going to look at the whole book. And that's that's quite an undertaking. Should, I, yeah. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't think I've ever done a full study of the book of John with anybody. Like I've read the book of John myself, and I've mm-hmm. read read it many times, but I've never I've never like studied it in a group or with somebody. So I'm actually really excited about this, and I'm looking forward to all of the learning that we're going to get to take out of this ourselves. But there are a few things that I think are really valuable to know about the book of John. So first of all. The book of John is called the Gospel of John. But what does gospel mean? Well, gospel means good news. But I had I had a friend who said to me, it's not just the good news of Jesus. It's the good news according to John. So it's what John knows about the good news that is Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Which is cool. Yeah, That's great. It's another way to look at it. Yeah, And it highlights a really, really important point. So in the Bible, if you're unfamiliar with this, and uh, this will hopefully be new and exciting and, and helpful, and if you are familiar with it, it's probably just good revision. So in the New Testament, there are four books that are called the Gospels, and they're called that because they follow the life and teachings and ministry of Jesus Christ. So those books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each of those contains many of the same stories but some stories that the others don't have necessarily. And the reason for that is that you're you're getting the account of the story from four different people's perspectives. Um, more specifically, uh, traditionally, I believe that Mark is attributed to Peter, uh, written down by John Mark of Peter's account. You have Matthew, which is attributed to uh, Levi Matthew, who was the tax collector, one of the 12 as well. And then you've also got Luke's account. Now, Luke's account is a little bit different because Luke collected the information from all of the witnesses and then collated it and wrote it down. But he himself was not one of the 12 disciples. And then you have the Gospel of John, which is attributed to the disciple John, who, as far as we understand, is most likely the youngest of all of the 12 disciples, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee. Now, all of this is really interesting, but it gets even more interesting when you realize that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They cover a lot of the same territory. There's there's details here and there that are added that give you a, a you know a broader picture. It's kind of like looking at a diamond. I'll steal an illustration that I listened to this week. If you look at a precious stone that's been cut, you turn it and you get a different facet of the stone. You're seeing the same picture, but you're seeing a different angle of it, and it reveals a slightly different aspect that you didn't get all of those details before. So just like a precious stone, you turn it, you get to know it better and better. It's all the same stone. It's all the same picture. It's all the same. Well, it's all the same thing, but you're seeing it from a different angle. You're seeing it from a different viewpoint, and then you're getting a broader, clearer picture of the whole thing. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in that they share mostly the same stories. There are a couple of stories that are unique to those gospels. However, most of the book of Mark, those stories are covered in Matthew and Luke as well. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating about the book of John is that John actually is 
different. It's the one that's the most different from the other three. In fact, there are stories in the book of John that are not covered elsewhere in the other synoptic gospels, and there are a few stories that are in the synoptics that are in John, but there's a lot more new ground to cover. John includes very specific information, and um, yeah, it was written by John, written in the first century, and it is a fantastic book. Now, we're gonna, I want to read something real quick. This is kind of like a big introduction, but I think it's valuable to look at this. So we're going to, if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open to the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament, and we're going to turn to John chapter 19. Now you might think to yourself, that's an odd place to start the book of John chapter (laughs) by chapter, Robbie. What are you thinking? Um, Oh, sorry, John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, there's an incredibly valuable purpose statement. Now, whenever you read any historical work, you have to ask some questions. First of all, what did it mean then in its cultural and historical and literary context? Because if we understand it from what it meant then, then we're much more prepared, better prepared to apply, well, what does it mean for us now, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than looking back and reading into all of those conversations, our cultural context, in which case we will probably misinterpret what was going on, we need to understand, well, what was the history What was going on around them in that time period? Why would that be significant for Jesus to say that in this time? Or the culture. Why would Jesus say something about sheep? I've never been a shepherd. I don't know. What does this mean? Right. All of these things can help us to really understand what it meant, and then that fits us better to be able to understand how to apply it in our lives today, in the 21st century, in our context, in our culture. Now, it's fascinating what John says here. He actually writes down the purpose statement, you might call it, of why he wrote these particular stories. Because sometimes people don't think about this. Jesus' ministry, first of all, Jesus lived for 33 and a half years. Most of that story is not written down. Second of all, Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. And we have really (laughs) a fairly limited picture in the sense that we get all of these stories, but but that's not telling us, like, like, for example, the last chapter 13 to chapter 22 is like the last week of Jesus's life. I keep saying 22, 21. There's only 21 chapters in John. I keep, always do this. But th- this is the point. There's a lot that there's a lot more that could have been written down that mm-hmm. wasn't. So why are these particular stories the ones that were written down? And do you want to read this for us, Tash? This is John's statement as to why he wrote the Gospel of John and its particular purpose and why its its uniqueness from the other ones. So we're in chapter 20, and we're looking at verse 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Beautiful. Beautiful. So he says, look, look, I'm going to be totally honest with you. There's a lot more that Jesus did. I could write down many more signs and miracles and wonders and teachings, all of these things. I couldn't cover it all in this book. They're written elsewhere, some of it. Not all of it's written down. But then he says this, verse 31, but these ones, the ones that I wrote here in the Gospel of John, the book of John, in my testimony, he's saying, I wrote them for this intent and purpose, that you, you, the reader, may believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God. So point number one, the stories that John tells which are all true stories from Jesus' real life, are told particularly for you to understand Jesus' divine 
messianic nature. Mm. He says that's the that's the express purpose so that you may believe in Jesus that he is the son of God and point number 2 that by believing in the name of Jesus Christ the son of God you may have life in his name life that is is qualitatively and quantitative and quantitatively eternal Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou Oh 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith at Them. Well done. Yes. Yeah. And uh, just before we get back into the Bible study, I know that we, uh, by the way, we're like, you're probably thinking to yourself, we were going to go look at John 1 today, but all we've looked at in the first 10 (laughs) minutes is two verses at the end of John. But we're going to get there. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. We're probably not going to finish John chapter 1 today, but we're going to get, we're going to at least get it started. <laughs> but before we get into that, we just want to do another plug that you can call or text in with uh, your answer to the secret word when we give it. We haven't given it yet, but stick around. Make sure you're listening for it because when you hear word. it, you call or text in and you can get a free copy of this book. God for us, according to John, and it's by James Gilly. And it, yeah, because we're in the book of John now, and it'll just be... Helping you to understand the book of John even more and what God has in store for you. It's perhaps one of the most cleverly crafted books of the New Testament. And that's mm. a big, bold statement. But there is a lot going on here. There are so many levels and layers of meaning. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. But also, we'd love to have you call in with your questions for our Question of the Week portion. To do either of those things at any point during the show, you can do so by calling or texting Zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. That's zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. We sound like radio presenters. Well done. All right. We are back in John, and we're now going to turn to John chapter one. And just before we get into that, I just want to make one final small statement. So, the way that the book of John is organized is very interesting, and there are whole big fat commentary books written about all this stuff. Mm-hmm with like chapters written on verses. So without getting into too much detail, there are a couple of things that I think are worth noting. Point number one, the book of John is constructed in such a way that most scholars would refer to the first half of the book from chapter, well, chapter one through chapter 12 as the book of signs, right? Because this contains well, a number of signs, specifically six, I believe, um, in this first portion of the book that Jesus did demonstrating who he was, that he was Messiah, that he was the Son of God. And as you read through that, you're going to see a number of very interesting things take place. There are six specific signs or events that it calls on that where Jesus does something miraculous, revealing something about himself. Also, what's fascinating is that the first 12 chapters deal with three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. But once you get to chapter 13... You are now dealing with chapter 13 to 21 with the last seven days or so of Jesus' life and then a little bit after the resurrection. So you got to keep this in perspective. John's narrative, he covers three and a half years in the first half, and the second half of the book, he's covering the last week of Jesus' life. And so he hones in in great detail on what's called the passion of the Christ, right? Jesus' passion for the broken world is going to the cross his last closing scenes of life, his resurrection, etc. Um, so that's important to keep in the back of our minds. And one last thing before we start reading is there are a number of things that come up in the book of John where there are sets of seven, and these highlight some some fascinating points. And I just want to preface this before we get into it because you're going to see them come up. One of those is called the I am statements. You know, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am this, I am that. But there's also some statements where he just says literally, I am. Mm. And there's some significance to that and how that relates back to Moses. So keep that in the back of your mind. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to stop giving you a preface because otherwise you're going to be like, I came here for a Bible study, not for background. So 
with we've we've now gone all through the background I wanted to share. There's millions of more things that you could check out and learn, but we're going to hit them as we come through. And so without any further ado, let's start with John chapter 1 verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Awesome. Now this is a really you could preach sermon you upon can. sermon of this. So we're we're not gonna <laughs> we could stay here the whole We're not gonna do two months of John one, one to three. Okay. But what can we draw from this? This is a very, very profound statement. What are some things that's going on here? The first always for me when that jumps out is in the beginning because we're we're now in the gospels, we're now halfway through the Bible, but it's saying in the beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. But it brings you straight back to what where else do you remember hearing this? In the beginning Genesis. Genesis. Genesis, Genesis 1, 1 1. The first verse, the, the very first, first three verse. words of the Bible. Yeah. And so John John is not only uh, we've been prefacing a lot of statements, but he's not only prefacing, but he's wanting to draw us back to in the beginning. Although we're here, a lot has happened, but we're still in the beginning. He wants to tell us exactly where where God is and where Jesus is and where the Word is. So those those three things he has in the, in the one, verse one, two, and three. I love it, and I love what you're saying there that 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 Jesus is being connected to the creation narrative of Genesis. This is super significant for a lot of reasons. Point number one is that in the beginning was the Word, mm. right? Okay, so think about this. In the Genesis account, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? It says that the Spirit of God hovered upon the waters or moved upon the waters. And then it says that God, Elohim, spoke. He said, let there be light. He said, let there be land. He said, let the land come up from the ocean, right? Like he said, separate, let there be a sky. He said, and all through the Genesis account, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through Genesis 1, it's just God spoke and things happened. God spoke and things happened. And so you've got the Father present in that story. God is mentioned, right? The title God is there. And then you've got the Spirit mentioned, and the the Spirit is there. And what is John saying? He is saying Jesus Jesus was present in the creation. And he says, where does he fit? Where does he fit? He's the word that was spoken. And so what's really fascinating here is he's saying two very specific things. Number one, he's saying the word was with God. And two, the word was God, right? So there's there's a real sense in which he's saying this Jesus, right? Matthew connects Jesus back to Abraham. Mm. Luke connects Jesus back to Adam. Mark doesn't talk about his genealogy. Who does John connect him back to? He connects him back to creation and says, yeah, 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 yeah. He's the descendant of Adam. He's the descendant of Abraham and David and all of those things. Through, But no, 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 no. That's not his origin because he always was. And if you don't believe me, he goes on to specify that in greater detail. Check this out. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God and uh, do, 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 do. He was in the beginning with God. So there's a distinction. He was God. He was also with God. So this this sense of plurality within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, is present in creation, and it's explicit right here with John. How do we know that Jesus wasn't just created, right? Words come from a mouth. 
how come how come Jesus isn't just like a created being or something that was somehow magically mystically begotten and came into existence in some point in the past? Well, it says right here, all things were made through him. Every single thing that has ever been created was made by Jesus. That's a that's a strong point. Mm. He says all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made. And it, he doesn't stop there. He could just say nothing was made, and you'd be like, oh, that's right. Jesus made everything. But then he goes in further, and he sounds like he's just repeating himself. And you're like, oh, did John make a typo? Right? In him, sorry, without him, nothing was made that was made. What's the point? He's clarifying Jesus himself was not created. Jesus himself never came into existence. Jesus himself always was because everything that has ever been made everything that has ever not existed and then begun to exist was made by jesus so by definition jesus never came into existence he always was as the spirit as the father and this is what john is saying jesus is god born into human flesh but he was begotten when he was begotten by Right by 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 Mary, right? He wasn't begotten sometime in the past. He always was. This is super incredibly significant and profound. And this is part of the very thing that John is saying. The purpose of his book is here to identify the divinity of Jesus. Is powerful. It is. It's powerful and profound. Sorry, we're getting all like theology student stuff going on in here in our brains. Getting you know Bible study time. All right. We're going to go to a song here in a moment, but before we do, let's read the next two verses. So verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light that shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. I love this. In Jesus was life and that life that is in Jesus is the light that gives light to all men. It is the light of men. And we're going to come back and talk a bit more about that after this song. This is Keith and Kristen Getty across the lands.
Welcome back to Real Faith. You're listening to Faith FM with Robbie and Tash. And uh, that was Keith and Kristen Getty, Across the Lands in Christ Alone. Just another shameless plug here. We'd love to hear from you with your questions or when we give you that secret code word that's coming up shortly, 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 secret shortly, word. my friend. Um, it might come up at any time in the middle of the, the, the Bible study as well. So make sure you're listening. And uh, when you hear that or if you want to send in your questions, you can call or text 0491-064-669. And the first three callers today, so make sure you're quick, are going to get a free copy of a book about John called God with us. Is that right? God for us. God for us. I yeah. was close. I was close. God for us. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump back in because we got a lot of ground to cover. So let's continue on from verse 6, and let's read verse 6 through verse 9. Okay. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came from came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Whew. Anything you want to say on that? The light. The light. The light gets mentioned time and time again. Well, we, we quickly introduced it in, in verse 4 and 5 about how Jesus is the light. In, in him is life, and the life in his life, he was the light to everybody. And I just want to, um, just a very basic thing about how, how you can see. Um, it's actually <laughs> the way, well, it's just, just in the way your eye, your eye works is that it needs light to enter into it in order for the image to be there and then for your brain to see the so that's just like a on a very basic level what light can do that's right you you're not you never actually see things you only ever see light reflected off of things when i'm looking at you what i see is not you i see the light reflected off of your skin off of your shirt off of your hair your eyes and those that reflection of the light off of you goes into my retina and is processed as information that's what i see and that's what we see in a yeah in our mind's eye yeah there's a lot of profound stuff in there. Yeah. That's how we see God, too. Yeah, and that's how we see God. And that's oh. how we, in, anything can be seen. And so Through the person of Jesus. Through the person of Jesus is that he comes and he brings light. So the most interesting thing about Ooh, light that I love is that it actually consumes darkness. So wherever light is, darkness cannot be. Ooh. Preach it, sister. So, that's so good. Well, let's not get stuck. <laughs> okay, maybe don't preach it too much. I have a lot of things about light, but it's... It's just because oh, you just wrote an essay on this topic. I I did. <laughs> That's Not good. Just, it was from a couple of years ago, actually. That's all right. That's um, all right. but we we just take light for granted because we can switch. Like we we use light switches. I mean, we we think back to a, a time where it was candles, it was oils and lamps. It was you know we had to spend money on those things, and so light for us now is just uh, it's a commodity. It's that's a very commodity. Pre- prevalent yeah. and present. Very present. So as soon as you cut the power, how important does light become at night? Yeah, exactly. Big time. Yeah. I love something else that's said in this passage, and I think that there's something really, really neat going on here. It says, and this is very simple, but I think it's very profound. Speaking of John, not John the disciple, but John the baptizer, who was the forerunner for Jesus' ministry. It says this, this, came, this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. Well, how is it that through John you can believe in Jesus, right? Like, what's what's the point of John? And I love this. John was just a witness instructed by God to go and tell people and prepare the way for Jesus' coming. Messiah is coming. And then when Jesus came, God had told him how to identify that he was the Messiah. 
And when he sees it, as we'll find later in the chapter, he then tells them what God showed him. And it's very simple. Through his witness, other people believed in Jesus, became followers of Jesus, and are saved. If John hadn't been a witness, there are many people who would probably not have had the opportunity to identify Jesus for who he was. Very simple. This is the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility of every follower of Jesus. We are all called to be like John, to be witnesses that through us, other people may believe in Jesus Christ. How, how is that through us? Is it because we're great or wonderful or perfect images? Absolutely not. It's because we are witnesses of what we have seen and heard of Jesus. And because of our story, because that's all John told. He told a story. Nobody else saw saw the, what's going on there that he was telling the story to. He was telling them a story so they might come and experience Jesus for themselves. That's our job. Through those witness testimonies, people come to believe in Jesus and get to have an experience with him themselves. I love this. Another quick point before we move on. I, I really like this, and I think this is really important, and this really relates to what Vicky said. In Vicky's story earlier in our Testify segment, she talked about how before she knew who God was, he was working for her. He was giving her light. He was leading her. And it says here in verse 9 of Jesus, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Not just to those who were born in a Christian home or born in a Jewish home, not just to those who had the privilege of hearing the gospel words spoken to them. No, 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 no. Not just those who ever heard the name of Jesus. No, it says that Jesus is the light that gave light to every human being that has ever been born. Jesus is the one who has been working for the salvation of all humanity, even those remote places that have never heard the name of Jesus, who will be judged according to what they know. God is the one who was working for them through Jesus in all of those places. So on your journey, before it was, before you knew it was Jesus, it was Jesus who was trying to lead you to the light to reveal the truth to you that you may rejoice in, in celebrating the salvation that he came to give to every man. And that there is a, there is a, there's a glimmer of light that has been given to every person, no matter your circumstances, no matter your upbringing. I think this is incredibly important to know. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 10 through 13. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those he believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Awesome. Awesome. I love, mm. I love, there's just, there's a bunch of things that we could say on all of this. This is a very theologically dense, very rich passage of scripture. It it's going to turn into narrative just in a moment, right? So don't stress. It's not going to all be like, like this, this, uh, expounding. Know, that's right. Yeah. There's going to be some story coming up soon, but I think it's really significant. There's lots of things that could be said. Point number one, I want you to pay attention to the word no. Not no, N-O, but no, like I know you. I know the answer. I know that person. I know Jesus. Because that word shows up so many times in the Gospel of John. I think, it, I think that the word no, like this in English that we have, we have it over a hundred times in the Gospel of John. And many of those instances, it's the word gnosko in the Greek, which means to know by experience. In the Hebrew mind, right? John's a Hebrew writer, and their word in Hebrew was yada, which means to know something intimately, experientially. And he's writing this word, gnosko, in the Greek, 
which to the Greeks was like, a, I know things intellectually, but John's not writing from a Greek mindset. He's using Greek words with a Hebrew mindset. And what he's trying to say here, it seems to me, is that he's saying, Jesus came into the world, he's the maker of the world, but nobody knew him. Nobody recognized and understood experientially who he was. And then it says here, he came to his own and they didn't receive him. His own people, the Israelites, the one who, the ones who had the prophecies, who should have recognized him, like we as Christians so often miss the mark of recognizing Jesus and what he's doing, like all of us are guilty of. It says this, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And here's the point I want to make. You are not a child of God in that sense because of your birth, because you grew up in a church context or didn't grow up in a church context. You, you don't get to be a child of God because of some privilege that you were born with that you didn't choose. He says even his own people rejected him, didn't receive him, didn't know him. That's because they were not truly his own people on an individual level, right? Like they were a chosen nation, but that doesn't mean that every individual has chosen God themselves. And the point here is that everyone, everyone who received Jesus, he gave the right, right? The right to become a child of God, not by flesh, not by lineage, not by birth, not by somebody else's mistake or accident or planned pregnancy, right? No, no, by God's will to be born of God. And this this is the very thing that Jesus is talking about to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 5, which we'll come to in a couple of weeks, where he says, you must be born again. Your birth means nothing in terms of salvation. doesn't matter if you were born a Jew, a non-Jew, a Christian, a non-Christian. You must receive God's kingdom by faith and be born again by his spirit. That's how you become a child of God. That's how you become an heir of God's kingdom. He is Lord at the name. 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Dash on Faith FM Radio. It's good to laugh. There are reasons yes. to laugh. There are reasons to yeah. sing and to shout joy. And Anyway, we hope that you're having a good day. If you're not, we hope that somehow what you'll take away from what we study yeah. in Scripture today, it will make your day better. We are looking at – sorry? Oh, you're, you're pointing at me, Shell. You want to give them the, the code word? Do you want to know the code word? You beat me to it. It's collapsible. Collapsible. Yeah, that's a weird word. You'll remember it. Collapsible. Call 0491-064-669 and say collapsible, and you'll get a free copy of this book, God for, for us. us. First yes. three callers, First call three now. Callers. Text yeah. in. If yeah, you're afraid to call, yeah. text. Shell's not scary. She won't bite. So call or text in now. The word again is collapsible. Yeah, on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And please remember, please do not forget... You can still call in with your questions. We haven't gotten a question today yet, I don't think. So we would love to hear from you. Please send us questions. And, uh, yeah, questions about what we're standing today, just questions of faith. Any, yeah, yeah maybe you disagree with what we've, what we've, what we've drawn out of the text. Send that too. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, uh, send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. 0491-064-669. And, uh, let's continue. Let's continue on. Oh, oh, it's so good. I love this. I love this book. I love this, this is chapter. Such a good book. Okay. It's one of my favorites. And I'm reading from verse 14. Oh, this is good. So, by the way, we identified, you know, perhaps prematurely that the word was Jesus. So, let's just clarify who the word is in this next passage. Okay. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we all have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. I love it. Okay, question. Who is the Word? Jesus. Jesus. Boom. So just in case there was any doubt that that's what that was talking about, he spells it out for us. He says, the word became flesh. Mm. The word of God in the creation narrative, Jesus, the, the agent of, through which you and I have existence, right? 
the person who made us exist became a human being. That's a huge, huge step down. Mm -hmm. Like, think about this. Jesus could be anywhere, anytime, all-powerful, all all-knowing, all of these things. He humbles himself and becomes one of his creatures, right? Like, becomes, lives life like we live, enters space and time as a creature, right? Like, that's how, that's what he's stepping into in a, in a real sense. He becomes flesh. And what's really powerful about this is, you know, words communicate ideas, right? If I want to communicate to you, one of the clearest ways I can do that is by using language, right? Jesus is, in a very real sense, communicating to us in in the flesh what God looks like in human form. Mm. He is revealing God's character through the person of Jesus, right? Like the life of Jesus, his life, his teachings, his miracles, all of the things that he does and says are demonstrating to us in very clear detail what God is like, right? We talked about actually last week the character of God, right? He is merciful, long-suffering. He is gracious, abounding in grace and truth, right? He is just. He is all of these things. How does that look in, an, in a real practical level? Like for a human being, how, how would that look? If we were to reflect the life of God, like the character of God, I should say, what would it look like? And it would look exactly like the life of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? I love this. God's condescension. He steps down to become this for us. What else can we take from this? We can take from it is that John's condescension as well, because he's saying, I only come to bear witness to him. So he that is greater than me came before me. So it's a little bit confusing though when you're first reading it because you think, hang on, but wait, you're actually, because John is older in terms of like human age, he, he was born first. He was out spreading the news of God first. But he's saying, no, it's not about me. I've come so that you can hear about Jesus. Mm. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. And I love this. He says, the law, the Torah came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There was, there, there's this huge uplifting of Torah. But there was also so much misunderstanding of what Torah was about and what it meant. And Jesus reveals the grace and the truth of the Torah, right? And you notice this, like in Matthew 5 through 7, for example, on the Sermon on the Mount, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the Ten Commandments, Jesus expounds what they mean, and he drives deeper. And all of a sudden, what you thought was just a superficial thing on the layer, what I thought was just superficial exterior, he digs to the heart of the matter and to the core and shows how deep how serious these things really are because they come to the motivations as well as to the actions. And he starts to expound on these things. And so what Jesus does is he reveals the truth of Torah clearly and the grace of God clearly through all of these things. And it's so profound. Jesus is the revealer of the, of the intentions of what Torah really was about. Beautiful. His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. All right, now we're hitting some narrative. So let's continue in the narrative, and let's continue on from verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? 
What do you say about yourself? He said. All right, pause there for a second. Mm. Pause there for a second. I just, I just, before we get on to John, I just had to say one more thing that just came to me. I just wanted to make sure I was, it was true. When it says that the word became flesh and dwelt, that word dwelt or lived, this, this is another, there's some deep layers of meaning. In the Greek, the word is tent. You might be familiar with the word tabernacle, which is the, the Old Testament Hebrew word for tent. Think about this for a real, just a real significant moment. In, in the story of Exodus where we just read, the tabernacle was where God's presence met with humanity. Where was God? He was in the tabernacle. Eventually they built the tabernacle and they placed it in the center of the camp. Right in the middle of their whole life was the presence of God in the tent. He was in a tent because he couldn't be there fully exposed because of the sinfulness of man. Check this out. What does it say Jesus does? Jesus, the Word, God, he became flesh and tented with us. The significance there is is not to be missed. Just like God appeared to them in the tabernacle, Jesus is the embodiment of God in human flesh appearing among us in the middle of our community, in the middle of our, our society, in the middle of humanity. Is that making sense? Yeah. Is that cutting deep? Because I think it's super profound. Anyway, sorry. Okay, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Uh, do you want me to continue into verse 23? Yes. Okay, so that the Pharisees are asking him who, who he is, and then he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. All right, let's pause there for a moment. Okay, so so John's out and he's got this this booming ministry, not booming financially. The dude the dude mm. wore camel's hair and ate locusts ate and locusts honey and, and stuff. honey. Yeah. Like he was he was pretty far out there in the sense of yeah. living out in the wild as a nomad essentially and preaching the good news and preaching repentance, right? And so they come to him. They're like, "Who is this dude? He's gaining a huge following because it says elsewhere that all the people from Jerusalem and Judea came to see him. He's preaching this message of repentance. He's baptizing people." And they, they come out, and so it says they sent some people from Jerusalem, some people of the Pharisees. They were sent by the priests to go scope out, what's the deal with John? He's gaining a bit of a following. What's his deal? Is he sent from God? Is he a prophet? Is he full of himself? What's the deal? Who is this guy? And so they ask him, hey, who are you? Who are, are you? Are you the Christ, right? That's the intention. They're trying to say, are you Messiah? And notice what he says, I am not the Christ. And then they say, okay, are you Elijah? Now, some of us might not be familiar with that. The last passage of the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 3 says that God will send Elijah, right? Later on, John is called Elijah by Jesus, right? Not, not that he was the actual Elijah who was taken to heaven, but that, that the, he was embodying the message and the purpose of Elijah. Now, check this out. So he says, I am not. The answer gets shorter. And then they say, are you the prophet? The prophet that was prophesied by Moses in Deuteronomy 18 who would come. He says, no. The answer is shorter again. Okay, then who are you? Who are you? I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I'm the one to make straight the path for the coming Messiah. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to 
to hear what you would say. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty? To be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise, all that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, hear your voice, word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see Your Majesty? To be still and know that You're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in Your holiness. Word of God, speak. Would you pour? to Faith FM, positively different radio. Did you know that 80% of Faith FM's operating budget comes from supporters like you? It takes 700 people just like you giving just a dollar a day to keep us running. Visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and partner with Faith FM today. And for just a dollar a day, together, we can reach Australia with life-changing messages of hope. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and I'm just wondering, Shell, what time is it? Oh, question of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get over that. It's so good. Sir. Most people would be embarrassed by something like that, but I just think it's funny. <laughs> it's just I just enjoy it. Awesome. Well, we have uh, we've got one question come in from from Sherry. So thank you for your question, Sherry. We hope that you're listening. And uh, we hope that the answer that we give to your question will help to, yeah, help to be a blessing. All right. So our question today, again, as I said, is coming from Sherry. And the question is this. Sherry says, I want to build an altar in my garden, but I read someplace that you shouldn't build one by a tree. Is it a specific tree or not by any type of tree? Okay. So great question. Uh, talking about altars. Now, it's an interesting question. I had to look it up, actually, uh, with regards to the tree, because I was unfamiliar with that. But I did find that there is a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 21 and 22, that actually talks about altars and certain types of trees that are used next to them or not to be used next to them is, is, a, is a better way to say that. Now, before I go any further, I just want to first of all acknowledge, man, it's awesome that you want to be offering sacrifice to God in some way to give him thanksgiving or to, to do these things. Um, so we're going to go through and answer the question relating to the trees and what, what it's actually talking about here, and then to talk a little bit about what the New Testament also tells us with regards to sacrifice and to altars. So hopefully this will be helpful. So in Deuteronomy 16, verse 21 and 22, it says this, Do not set up any wooden Asherah pole beside the altar that you build to the Lord your God. And then it continues to say, And do not erect a sacred stone, for these the Lord your God hates. Now, so in in order to understand what that means, if that's not familiar, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were instructed to build altars at different times, and there was an altar that was built in the tabernacle once they set up the sanctuary service. Prior to that, they would offer sacrifices for their families, for example, on altars built of uncut stones, and that's where they would offer their sacrifices to God. Those sacrifices would be offered as thanksgiving offerings to thank God for giving them harvest, to thank, to thank God for giving them bounty or for blessing them in a number of ways. Those sacrifices were also offered as burnt offerings or sin offerings to um, point forward to the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and his payment of sins. And so the blood of the lamb was used to con- to cover the sins of the people. So these are kind of the primary reasons that we have for the use of the altar. Now, when God says here to the people, he says, don't set up any wooden Asherah pole, which is a, a pole that's carved from a tree um, being wood. And the the point that's being made here is that an Asherah pole was actually a pagan symbol 
for for idol worship. And so this symbol was actually, a, if I remember correctly, a fertility symbol. It was it was something that God had looked upon and said, this is what the people around you are doing. They're following these pagan rituals. He says, when you offer up your sacrifices and when you make your altar, it needs to be distinct and separate from the false religions around you. So he says, don't set up the, the Asherah pole anywhere near this, which by extension he's saying don't set one up at all. <laughs> But he's just making this distinction, and it, he uses very strong language. He says, because this thing, the Lord your God hates. Right? And that's really strong language. And the reason it's so strong is because he's trying to make it very clear who he is and who he is not. And so he's trying to make the distinction, don't worship other gods, don't have these idols associated with true worship. Now, how does this relate? So that's how the trees relates to your question. But how does this relate to us wanting to offer thanksgiving or to address the issues of sin in our life with regards to sacrifice and altars now? And to answer that part of the question, I think it's really important to look at uh, what the New Testament says about this. So, again, I really want to acknowledge your desire to offer sacrifice to God. I think that's beautiful. And in a moment, we're going to look at a couple of ways that the New Testament talks about particularly how we are called to do that in this period of history. But before we go there, Hebrews chapter 10, um, do you have that task or do you want me to read? Yeah, I'm here. I'm All right. Here. In Hebrews chapter 10, Paul is writing, or the author of Hebrews is writing, I believe him to be Paul. There's a bit of debate among scholars on that. But he says this regarding animal sacrifices that were in the Old Testament period, right? And in chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Awesome. He goes on to then talk about how the the scriptures say in the Old Testament, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, right? It wasn't about the blood of the goats, particularly it was pointing forward to something else. It was a change of heart that he that he's really looking for. And in verse eight it says, previously saying Sacrifice and offering, burn offerings and offerings for your sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I love this. It's beautiful. He says the whole Old Testament sanctuary system was was a type. It was it was a picture to point forward in faith to what Jesus would fulfill in actual fact. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus was the Lamb of God, and he offered his, his sacrifice of his life once for all. That sacrifice is the ultimate sacrifice, the one that all of the blood of the bulls and the goats and the ox, etc., was pointing forward in faith to. And so he says here, when Jesus died on the cross, he became the sacrificial lamb for all of sin, for all of humanity. It says he takes away the first, meaning the first system, the Old Testament sanctuary system, that he may establish the second, the true sacrifice of his own body, the blood of his sacrifice that he is ministering for us in heaven. And that's what it's talking about there. So the real significance here that I think is powerful is that it's identifying that the, the system of offerings that we have in the Old Testament is not the way that he's calling us to operate now, which begs a question. Well, but what if I, like like you, would like to offer a sacrifice to God? What if I want to offer him something, whether it be thanksgiving, right? Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 tells us, for example, 
The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And in that context, he was talking about giving a donation, a cheerful donation of money to provide for the... Um, the the needs of the of the poor Christians in Jerusalem who are under persecution. Now that's one of the ways that we are, that we can give a Thanksgiving offering today is to donate our our finances or our time or our skills or our capacity to the uplifting and the building up of the kingdom of God. That's one of the ways that we can give a sacrifice now in the New Testament period, right post post crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. He also says, and this is a really powerful one, and we're going to finish on this one. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, this is the other way that the New Testament tells us. We can offer sacrifices to God now. And check this out. This is a really beautiful passage. He says, Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or act of worship. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He goes on to then talk about how they can use the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives them for the purpose of upbuilding the church and the ministry of sharing the good news with Jesus. So if we want to give sacrifices to God, these are some of the ways that he calls us to do it now.
Welcome back. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tesh. On Faith on FM Faith Radio. Hey, just a quick Look. question, Shell. Do we still have one book left? Oh, there is. Oh. We've had two quick callers uh, have called in with the code word, which was collapsible. Uh, collapsible, in case you didn't get that, because whispering's hard to hear on radio. Collapsible. Um, there's one book left called God for Us, which goes through... The book of John. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're studying through the book of John, and this and this book unpacks that, the timeless truths of John. And I want to just also, just as a side note, I want to really challenge you. Um, if you're listening to this radio show, and especially if you're listening to it regularly or you're planning to come back, I want to really challenge you. Not just encourage you, but challenge, like I dare you, to actually go and spend some personal time reading the book of John. Not just to come and listen to this, because, you know, that's cool, that's great, hopefully we can be of service to you, I love what we're doing here, I get a lot out of it. But also, I just really want to encourage you to, to take that time for yourself, read ahead, like, like legit, read ahead, between now and next week, read the rest of John chapter 1, because we're not going to finish it today as you probably figured out. We will finish it next week is the plan, um, and we'll get into chapter 2 next week as well. But but go and read it for yourself. Like it, It's great to come together and to hear these things and to hear thoughts and to do all of this stuff, but try and, try and really put in the hard yards. Do some of that time yourself. See what God can teach you. And then when you come back here and you hear things, I guarantee you, you'll get more out of it. You'll find it to be so much more beneficial. So I want to really encourage you and challenge you it's time in your life, if you've already read or if you've never read it before, to read the book of John. I really believe that. I'm excited about it because it's getting me to read the book of John. And my goal here is to just really dig in on my own personal walk with Jesus because I think I need this reboot in my life, just personally, on a real fundamental level. So challenge, hopefully accepted. Challenge is accepted by me at least. So hopefully you will accept that challenge. I believe that's what God's calling today for us to respond to. Now let's finish the rest of this little section and then we'll comment with our last thoughts. So we're in John chapter 1. Let's read verse 26 through 28, I think is where we're up to. Yes. So they say, hey, why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet? So then John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethbara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Awesome. Okay. So he says, look, I'm just, uh, I'm just baptizing with water. What I'm doing is a symbol. But the one that you don't know who's among you, the one who's coming that I'm preaching and declaring to you is going to arrive, he's the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Baptize, immerse, cleanse, wash. Right, All of these words are associated with the word baptize, and it, in, it involves immersion, to be fully dunked under. With what? To be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Powerful. Okay, we're going to pause chapter 1 there and ask the question. This show is called Real Faith. It's supposed to be really applicable in our life. What can we draw from this chapter and really apply practically in our life today? Any thoughts, Tash? I just, I really like verse 9, that, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That everybody is given the opportunity for this light. It's not, it's not, um, we were talking about whether you're born a Jew, whether you're born a Christian, whether you're born into the church or born into a faith. Everybody is given light. Yeah, which is Jesus. And I think that is amazing. Like we all, there's a, 
people like you were saying before, people who are in New Guinea, people who you know in in third world countries who've never heard of Jesus, but they would have. They would have, they would have known that the the name was Jesus, but they would have had a calling on on their hearts. And mm. uh, we we unpacked the Ten Commandments a couple of weeks ago, but even you know, Paul talks about the the law that was written on their hearts. Boom. And so yeah, the, Romans like, chapter two. Yeah, Romans and 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 it's just this, um, uh, like our testimony today. Um, even before she knew that it was God, God was there. Mm. Yeah. And so a question that really follows from that is what are you going to do with the light that's been given to you? Boom. Right? Because yeah. you've been given light, I've been given light, the dude down the street's been given light, all different amounts of light that we've been shown. The real question is what are we going to do with the light that we've been shown? Are we going to respond? Because what we see here is we see a group of people who've been given more light than everybody else because they have the scriptures, they have the oracles of God, Paul calls it in Romans. What are they doing with the light? Many of them are the very ones who crucify their maker. What are we doing with the light that God has shown to us? Are we going to respond to the light that we do have? We don't know everything, but what we do know, do we know enough to take the next step? We are, Yes, we do. God's shown us enough to take our next step, whatever that is, to come towards him. What are you doing with the light that you've been given? And if you've been given lots of light, guess what? You've got more responsibility. <laughs> That's challenging because I look at my life and I think, man, I've had a lot of light given to me. What am I going to do with it? For others, for myself, for my family, what am I going to do with that light? I think that's a really big, powerful question. Because he says here, those who received Jesus were given the right. And I love that word. Oof, oof. Tell me if that word doesn't just like rise up in your soul. <laughs> he gave them the right to become children of God. There's a sense in which we are all children of God. But there's another sense in which we are not. Unless we choose to respond to his gift of grace in Jesus to respond to the light that he has shown us and to continue to walk in that light. And that's what uh, like that's what I believe God is calling to us today. Are you going to walk in the light? Are you going to walk in the light? Because the invitation is there. And God is ready to fill you with his spirit and to lead you in that next step of the journey so that you can be a child of God. Not just in the sense that God made all people so we're all his children in that sense, but to be a child of God is in one who receives Jesus, one who receives the Holy Spirit, one who receives this new birth, who is no longer who is no longer counted and identified by the, the value of their first birth, no matter how good, bad, or indifferent it was, but to be counted to be a child of God by the birth, by God's will of being reborn by his spirit to walk in his marvelous light all the way through eternity. And I really believe, my friends, that that's God's call on us today. So I want to challenge you and encourage you. Get into the book of John, stick around for drive time, and make sure you remember to follow the light where God leads. Respond to him, receive him, and remember that real faith is, is live, live faith. faith.